Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Thursday, and welcome back to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton. I am joined here today with none other than Anthony Gorgeous. Anthony, how are you doing today? I know you're, you look you look tired. I am doing good. I'm not sure the situation today. Man, I it wasn't too bad outside, and I mowed this morning. It was wonderful. Went to my internship. That was great. It's kind of one of those days where you're just like, uh, crawling towards the weekend. Pretty much. I wish I could say I can really relate, even though I only have like one internship. It's like three hours, but it, ladies and gentlemen, it is at 5.30 in the morning all the way to like to nine. But I tell you, that was the rest of the day. I was like, I can take a nap. And I'm like, no, there's so many sports shows I need to watch and take notes on so I can get prepared to give all of you guys what y'all really love. And that's sports talks and things. And we'll get started with that. But also, Anthony, I, this is going to be super off topic, but I don't know if you've seen much of it like on Twitter or anything else. There is like this video out where this orangutan is like grabbing this man by his T-shirt who was too close to the cage. And he's just trying to get away. And it's really funny, but also really terrifying at the same time. The, the dang orangutan ended up grabbing his leg and practically holding him on the side. And it was really, really terrifying. Did you Have you seen that video by any chance? I have not, but as soon as we take a quick break, I'll definitely go ahead and watch it and let you know my response yes, because like, I'll, I'll that sounds it very or, interesting. It is. It's. It's. It's like I people. A lot of people laugh at at, at it, and I kind of laugh at it too. But I'm like, bro, do people not realize that apes are strong? And just it is like this. And the and the, the orangutan, the monkey that's grabbing this man by the shirt, he's not even like screaming or nothing. He's just holding on to him, just just to let him know the business. He's like, I'm like I'm. This is no effort at all. But the man, I don't know what he was doing. He was being pulled by the shirt, trying to get away. I don't. That was probably must have been like a seventy dollar white T-shirt because that thing did not rip one bit. I mean, it just went from a medium to a three X. But I don't know. If it was anything from Sheehan, it would probably have been ripped at the seams and the man would have been freed a little bit earlier. But that's all it was. If you guys haven't seen it, I'll post it or retweet it on my Twitter at jayswitit2. That is J-A-Y-S-W-I-T-I-T and the number two. It's very entertaining and it's very, very terrifying. I'm going to have to go watch it because that, first of all, like you said, it does sound terrifying. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's very interesting. How does that happen? How do you let yourself get too close I, to a cage like he that? He underestimated the wingspan of an orangutan. And if he <laughs> underestimated the strength, too, well, that says something's wrong because... I'm Look here. I can guarantee you I will never get close or never mess with one whatsoever. I'm telling you. I want to stand back and just, oh, cool. You're like, yeah, that's I a nice-looking monkey right there. I'm like, I'm, and I'm going to keep it pushing, too, because it was snatch. It was so dang fast, too. I tell you what. Where was this at? I honestly I don't know. There was literally someone posted this video on Twitter, no caption. It was just it was just straight chaotic, you know, <laughs> eight things in the video. That was literally it. Well, all I can say is someone was having a very bad Thursday. Oh, absolutely. But he was free though. Granted, he it looked like at the very end before the monkey let his foot go and his buddy was pulling him away. The monkey looked like he almost got his toe. He was like he was like ah, and it was so close. I was like, oh my. If nothing else, gracious, no more sandals. Good news is his shirt didn't rip. Also, good news, he got away. Nothing else. The man is terrified for the rest of his life. I'm telling you, he grabbed his shirt and his <laughs> leg. He was he was like the man swung his body to the side while this while this man was trying to get away from this monkey. I know it was super off topic, and this is a sports show, but I just thought that was really funny, and I hey, wanted gotta, to bring that you gotta up. You gotta throw some random stuff in there. Keep everybody on their toes. Exactly. Why not? Y'all know y'all love it. Okay, now we'll get to all the nitty gritty and the stuff that y'all really here for. So, game three of the NBA Finals was last night. And Boston, my good lord, they they looked 
like this is probably the best Boston has looked the entire playoffs. And I kind of want and I want to include how they looked against the series against Brooklyn. I feel like this is like from top to bottom to both ends of the floor. Boston, I don't know what happened. They flipped some sort of switch. The them being at home must have done something because they brought they came in with that energy. And Jalen Brown pretty much got the party started by scoring 17 points in the first quarter alone. It was and it was looking real rough for the Warriors pretty much the entire first half. And it was I mean, it was very entertaining. Of course, the Warriors did the whole thing that they're very good at and had another third quarter surge that had them up one after being down, I think, at the most, I want to say 18. And then they got up to one, but then, you know, Boston was like, all right, we're done, and continued to outscore them in the fourth quarter. And that's pretty much where Boston has excelled because they're plus 40 in the fourth quarter. I'll tell you what happened is Jason Tatum decided to show up and play a full, you know, 40, 48 minutes, whatever minutes he got because – he looked sharp. He did, and it was crazy. 41 minutes he played last night. 26 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. And for the first time, we've actually seen him, like, full-on attack the basket. Drive the basket. And he made a couple of threes, a couple of jump shots, and it was like, we've been saying all along, if Boston's going to win, Jason Tatum's got to be aggressive. Exactly. And he was, and they won. Absolutely. And Jalen Brown got the party started, and Jason Tatum pretty much kept it going in the, in the second half of the game. And every time... Jason Tatum got Steph Curry on a switch. Oh, my gosh. Curry was literally Curry. This man was food to Jason Tatum. Getting him, like, driving him into the post, posting him up. is like It was literally, he was too small, and that was pretty much the entire game for the Warriors. They were just too small against the Celtics. The Celtics finally realized that, like, yo, we are bigger and we are stronger and more physical than this Warriors team. And this is the first time we've seen it in this series that they've actually took advantage of it. And it's worked for them. I don't know what the, what the, what Steve Kerr is gonna do for next game. The adjustments, I don't really know. There was a lot of things because Steph Curry, he ended up getting 31 points. He made six threes, so Steph Curry did what he was going to do. And then Clay Thompson, we, I think we can, we can take away that APB that was out on him because this man was missing for the first two games. He actually got a little something. He had 25 points last night. He looked good. And he, and he looked good, but that still wasn't enough. And of course, Andrew Wiggins, he always has like the quietest 18 point games ever. And he had one of those again, but I guess the, apart from, you know, the Warriors losing last night, one of the bigger stories was of course, Draymond. We talked about that yesterday, how he was an absolute menace in game two, and they and we talked about me and Anthony was like, I wonder if the if Boston is going to use his antics against him or something like that. Is the crowd gonna gonna try to amp him up to try to get ejected or things like that? The crowd definitely amped him up because there's a lot of uh, language being thrown out towards him last night. A lot, and and it wasn't just for a little bit. It was every time he missed a shot. Guess what was said? Every time he made a foul. Guess what was said? And when he fouled out, you better believe those fans were absolutely loving it. They were going to let him hear it, too. Ab- Which, and he knew I that. Mean, I don't blame them because Draymond Green, he is such a nuisance when it comes to, like, basketball. That's like, his obviously, job. that's his job. But, God, as a fan, it drives me crazy. And if I'm the other team, I'd absolutely hate him. I mean, I mean and that's exactly how like, it is. If you're not a Warriors he fan, did you probably did nothing hate him. last night. And- 35 minutes. Two points, three assists, four rebounds, and fouled out with four minutes to go. Like that is an all-time terrible night. It was a, it was an incredibly, incredibly awful night, 
And it's it's hard to really you see, how do I how do I put this correctly? Because we know Draymond, he's not the offensive scorer that he once was in 2015, he, 2016. He still needs at least 10 points a game. I but the thing is, I he's I don't think he's he's not. I can't say he's not capable because I think that he is. He just doesn't have the legs underneath him right now to be able to do it because from what I've seen at least the past two seasons, he, he, he you don't expect him to score at all for this team. He facilitates, he plays physical, he distributes the ball. That has been his role, and that's been his role because before, cause before KD came, that that was pretty much he was like you know he him scoring you know 12 13 points a game that wasn't uncommon heck he scored like 32 points in game 7 against the Cavs in 2016 so he he had that capability but he just does not have it anymore what it seems like so he has to contribute somewhere else and that somewhere else was really not, not working, working for him last night and it was it was very much it, it was embarrassing a little bit, I have to say. And everyone thinks that, too, because that was the main topic today. And Stephen A. Smith, he had a lot to get on his chest about this this morning. And he had, he had a lot to say about Steve Kerr as well. But the main people that he's talking about here is Draymond. So take a listen. Let me tell y'all something. Oh, no. I have a photo of these two individuals right here. I want to preface my comments by saying both of these dudes are going to the Hall of Fame. Both of these dudes are three-time champions. Both of these dudes have gone to six NBA finals as a coach here, as a player there. We know what Steve Kerr did as a player. We understand that. But I'm talking about as members of the Warriors. We know what they've done over the last six years. That doesn't mean a damn thing this morning. What the hell was that, Draymond? We got to stop this nonsense right now. This is a motivational speech. This is not criticizing LeBron. This is not criticizing Draymond Green. This is motivation, my brother. Two points. Two damn points. All of that talking, two points. I got no problems with your podcast, my brother. I support it, okay? I love listening to you. I hope you keep doing it. But guess what? That ain't the priority right now. Two damn points against the Boston Celtics. That's two games, Dre. One game you admitted you wasn't yourself, game one. Game three last night, you said you played like you know what. Are you ready for somebody to look at you and say to you, Draymond Green, you are on the verge of costing the Golden State Warriors two titles. When you lost in 2016, y'all win that series in five if you don't get suspended for the game because you accumulated too many technical fouls. That's one title. Now if you lose to Boston, because game one you didn't show up, game three you didn't show up, that we can't rely on you to show up for more than one game at a time. That's gonna be a problem. Steph Curry needs you, bro. Clay Thompson needs you, bro. Jordan Poole needs you, bro. It's time, period. You got to show up. The same things you did in game two, getting in everybody's face, being disruptive, setting screens and picks, being physical, playing with force, letting the Boston Celtics know they're going to have to deal with you. That's what you got to do. Y'all can't go down 3-1 to Boston. You ain't winning three straight against Boston. This is it, Draymond. This is it. No more. 
you're a three-time champion, but you got to play. Because right now, Al Horford looks better than you. He's shooting the ball better. He's rebounding the ball better. He's defending better. You got to change that. So that was Stephen A. Really pretty much tearing Draymond a new one, which is, Draymond is his boy. So that's why he said, this is not, I'm not getting like, I'm not getting upset with you. This is he said it's motivational, mo- speech. motivational speech. Well, Draymond Green better listen to it because, look, I seldom agree with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, I don't like the guy all that much. Of course. I feel like he's just a hot takes guy, but I agree with what he's saying right there. Like, come on. You're going to be running your mouth all the time, talking all this smack and getting teed up here and there, and you sh- don't show up in game one. You have two points in game three. He, he does, but he does fairly well. He does his job in game three defensively and also being a menace and still he, distributing true, the ball. Scoring you still, gotta, you don't expect him to I mean, score. you got to get eight, ten points minimum. Like In this series, that'd be helpful. Like, I mean, they're lacking a person here. Clay, 25. Steph, 31. Andrew Wiggins felt like he didn't do much. He had 18 points. Other than that, Jordan Poole gave you 10 points. You got six from Kayvon Looney, six from Otto Porter Jr. So you get the point here. You had three guys. That was like it. Draymond should be that fourth guy getting 10 points a game, and he got two. Honestly, if because there's a couple of guys who could definitely step up on the offensive end. Draymond, he is a big part of it, but like I said, not a lot of people expect him to get like 10 to 12 points a night right now. Mainly that, that, that fourth person, and it's supposed to be Jordan Poole. And he's kind of been that typical fourth, third, fourth person this entire season. He was the, and he was like, and he was pretty much the second guy until Clay came back. That that was supposed to be his role. He was averaging like well, almost twenty points a game in the regular season, but in the in the postseason, he's only he's only averaged ten points a game. That's that's not really going to cut it, especially since the Boston Celtics may have figured a little something something out. The Boston Celtics, I gave y'all this stat yesterday, or actually not yesterday, I think, what, two days ago. The Celtics are 1-5 when they have more than 15 turnovers. They are 12-2 when they have less than 15. And last night, they had 12, and their game one win, they also had 12. So, of course, they figured out to not turn the ball over, because they didn't. Because other than turnovers, I didn't, I didn't think Boston was really playing terrible. But other than turnovers, that was the difference between winning and losing for them. Now they cut down the turnovers. They realize, hey, Warriors do not have a paint protector because Draymond Green, he's he's guarding um, Jalen Brown. So they're bringing him out of the paint, and no one else is going to be there. Kevon Looney, he's not athletic enough to really block anybody's shot consistently. And that's what Boston was able to really exploit during this game, and they were able to get get in the paint. They had... 56 paint points last night. That That's ridiculous. And also compared to Golden State, who I think And they was, doubled them up. Yeah, they doubled them up. And they doubled them up in almost every category. They, the Warriors were minus 16 in rebounds, and they were minus 9 in offensive rebounds. They were getting killed on the, on the offensive glass and on the glass, period, because they were just too damn small against the Boston Celtics. And honestly, to me, the player of the game last night, it, it wasn't Jalen Brown. It wasn't Jason Tate. It wasn't Marcus Smart with 24 points. To me, it was Robert Williams. He had he was the he was the most impactful player to me. He had eight points, ten rebounds, four blocks, and three steals. On the defensive end, like granted the shots that he did not block, 
the Warriors were like over-exaggerating some of their shots to try to get it over him, and they were missing. He was affecting so many shots because they were afraid that he was going to block them because at that point he's already had four blocks throughout the game. His defense affecting how the Warriors score, and for them to have, of course, they have that third-quarter surge that they've been so good at and will always continue to be so good at. But, you know, quarters one, two, and four, his defense right there, that's, I think that's the reason they won this game. If it wasn't for his defense, his three steals, his four blocks, I don't think they would have won that game. Yeah, and I mean, I honestly don't know much about this guy, but he, those, those four blocks, he had two blocks that I can remember mid, third quarter, early fourth. It was like, that's a big-time stop. And then he snatched 10 boards, like he said. 47 boards, rebounds for the Celtics, 31 for Golden State. I tell you. And he's doing this off one leg. He, he had meniscus surgery a couple of weeks before the postseason, and he was out. And he was out for a, for a good portion and kind of in and out of the rotation in the early parts of their playoff run. And he like the height that he gets, the athleticism that he has. He's playing. He's playing through some pain right now. I already know. But for him to have this type of effect on both the offensive end, but especially on the defensive end, Gold, Golden State doesn't have really anyone to compete with that athleticism right now. And that's a man who's literally fifty percent. Like his his lower half is fifty percent because his left knee is messed up right now. And that's why I know uh, Stephen A. Smith was getting on uh, Steve Kerr as well because look. You had because he was looking at you have Jonathan Kaminga and you have Moses Moody. Granted, they are super young guys. They're both 19. They're both rookies, but you are literally getting bullied right now. And like the most, the two, like the two most athletic guys on their roster is Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga. Without like without any doubt, those are the top two, and that could be followed by Gary Payton. He's he's very athletic, but he's a little bit more on the short side. Okay, Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga I think he will give you the size and the defense that you need at least a little bit. He doesn't have to start. He doesn't have to fully replace Draymond or anything like that. I just think maybe adding him in might do something, might throw Boston off maybe just a tad bit because they're, Golden State still had a chance to win that game last night. They, they was able to do their whole thing in the third quarter. We know this, and they were able to get up one late in the third, and then everything just started to spiral in the fourth quarter, and they only scored 11 points. But defensively, some, something else could have happened. Some fresh legs because you can't keep doing this with Steph Curry and and Klay Thompson and Draymond having them play for like 40 minutes. And, of course, that's why Golden State has been getting outplayed in the fourth quarter in every single one of these games because Boston, they're like I said, they're younger, they're stronger. Goodness, Siri, shut up. I'm in a groove. My goodness, they're younger, they're stronger, and they're faster. And that's something that Golden State would need, and I think they have that in their bench with Moses Moody and Jonathan Kamiya, at least for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, something that bothers me, and I know this is just the nature of the NBA, but Golden State had something cooking last night. When they got up, what did you say, by one or by three, whatever it was, like, it felt like they had that game under control. It's like, okay, they're rolling. They hit a couple of threes. Then they started to drive the ball. There was one possession where Steph threw it to Clay. Clay cut to the basket, dished it to, I think it was Draymond, and he dunked it, and it was like, like boom. That's good There offense. you go. Very next possession. Jordan Poole goes down. He drives under the basket, lays it in. And then Boston hits a three. You go back to the other end. Four straight possessions. Three, three, three. And it's like, you just drove to the basket twice. Had easy layups. Do it again. Like, you have Steph Curry. He can easily go around you. We right. know he can finish through traffic. 
You have Andrew Wiggins. If he doesn't make it, he's probably going to get fouled and go to the line. Clay Thompson, we know he can drive and finish. Go to the hoop. like, And I understand you've got these superstars shooting threes. But when you make you know 15 out of 40 and the inside paint game is somewhat working, not paint, but driving to the hoop, why stop? Like, I just, that's something I've never understood. I mean, I, the reason like they kind of stopped because I'm telling you, um, Robert Williams, he was controlling that paint area because he'd come into the weak side because at times he would come off Draymond. Draymond's in the corner knowing Draymond's not going to shoot, and if he does, he's more than likely going to miss it. So they're not scared of him offensively. So that's why Robert, like, uh, Robert Williams, he's playing in deep, so he comes in on the weak side to affect the shot if not block it. So that's what's really... That's why you need someone bigger and stronger. Maybe out of like, if anyone could out jump Robert Williams, I know it's a it's a big ask. It it would have to be either Jonathan Kamingo or Andrew Wiggins going at him a little bit more at least to get fouled because that did work a little bit early and I think the second early second quarter late first quarter he, uh, Andrew Wiggins was able to get to the line a little bit driving towards Robert Williams so that was the effect that's why they weren't driving as much last night and honestly Boston's defense it was stellar it was the I think it was the best they've played on the defensive end definitely this series but I want I want to say this is their best game throughout the entire postseason for them because Jalen Brown there was a couple of times he locked up Steph Curry not many people can do that consistently. And Marcus Smart, he's been doing a damn good job on Steph Curry. Granted, I know Steph Curry did score 31 points because the man is a top 75 player for like for goodness sake. Okay, so he's going to get he's going to get his, especially with the high pick and roll screens. But from what they have right there, that's that's really they real they realize that they're bigger, that they're stronger. And I know Warriors. I'm not saying this series is done. I'm not saying that at all because why the hell would I want to count out Steph Curry? and Klay Thompson in anything. I'm not going to do it. I have to see that with my own two eyes first. But it's not going to get any easier. They were able to skid by a little bit with a rough, with a couple of rough games from Klay Thompson. Granted, I know they lost game one, but they were up by like 15 points at that, at that point in time in that first game. But Klay Thompson, he got 25, and Steph Curry got 31. I feel like any, any other – I feel like that first game, that game one, if those were the same stat lines, I think they would have won. But this time it was much, much different because of Boston's defense and how they played as a whole. Can I just say something too that I know you're probably not going to agree with, but say just, it anyway. I mean, I, I love playoff basketball. I love you know everything about it, and I've bagged on the NBA here and there. But something that just drives me crazy is all the flopping. I mean, I know it's the nature of basketball yeah, where you, you want to be on the right end of the call, but my gosh. This flopping is like just driving me crazy. Like I was telling you before the show, like I absolutely love Steph Curry. He is yeah. incredible. But this jacking up a three and then falling down when nobody touches you, like we talked about it. There was one instance where Al Horford did not let him come down. Like he came yeah, down. That was he could have rolled his ankle. He came down and he landed on Al Horford's leg, like leg, ankle, yeah. whatever you want the to call Kawhi, it. The Kawhi Leonard rule. Yeah, so that's a foul. You know, you got to let them land or mm-hmm. they're going to get injured. Yeah, that's a flavor one. But the next three shots Steph took, and I was like, I was like, okay, you know, he got a four-point play out of it. All yeah. right, good. And then the next in. three times, jacks up a deep three, falls down. Nobody even touched him. And then he goes to, you know, the wing, does it again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then the fourth quarter, did it again, and it's like, what are these players like gonna like 
I don't know what you could do to fix that. I mean, I don't think you could tee them up. Like, I know in college there's a flop warning. Mm-hmm. If you do it, you know, they give you a warning, and then they do it again. I think it's a foul on you, I think. But they got to do something in the NBA because this is just, in my opinion, it's just ridiculous. I like mean, they tried doing something to where, like, you know how players would do the shot fake and then try to get the defender to jump into them and then kind of, you know, jump into the defender and flopping where they said they weren't going to call those anymore. And granted, they were kind of consistent throughout the regular season and I've I haven't seen it attempted too many times so far this postseason. So that's that's made a difference somewhere, but you just really can't stop nobody from falling. Look, if it's falling or flopping. Flop f- flop falling, same difference. If it's a foul, I'm totally if there's contact, all right, whatever. But this just rising up and coming back down and falling thinking you're gonna get a foul call. Just drives me crazy. He was hoping he did that a lot more after that four point play against yeah, exactly. Al Horford. But it was desperate times, desperate measures type of deal because the game was starting to slip away from them after they came back in the third quarter, and then of course everything kind of unraveled a little bit, and then it kind of got a little bit worse because Steph Curry kind of got hurt at the end of the fourth quarter, which was a little. It was very scary. To, at least to me, it was a little scary because he dove for a loose ball. Al Horford landed on his leg. Nothing malicious. It was just Al Horford going for a loose ball as well. But he landed on his foot, and Steph Curry was down for a while. I was just like, and he was like kind of, you know, looking like he was in pain. I was like, oh, God, no, for the love of God, no, please don't be hurt because, no, that's what no nobody in the world wants to see that. I don't even think Boston fans want to see that, and they're a different type of animal when you know with their antics and stuff I don't even think Boston fans wanted to see that so there was the worry like is Steph gonna be okay is it another foot injury that sidelined him for the later half of the of the regular season as well so people are really worried about that but here is Steph Curry talking about his injury and what the probability is of him playing to actually Friday night how did the foot feel when you woke up and how confident are you that you can go on Friday without being limited. Uh, I'm going to play. That's all, I, that's, all I, that's all I know right now. Uh, about ten and a half hours of sleep. A couple of dunks in the ice bucket, and that's about it for now. And then take advantage of the day and tomorrow to get completely ready for the game. Um, get as much recovery and healing as possible. And... Uh, Understand how important game four is. So that was Steph Curry talking about his injury and what it is. So he already says, regardless, he's, he's going to play. And, bro, he has to. It's literally, it's the finals. This The game four is, it's a huge game for them because you go down 3-1 against the Boston Celtics. Stephen A said it best. You're not, you're not coming back. You're not going to beat these Boston Celtics who seem to figure something out three times in a row. Yeah, you're not gonna win Game Six if you're down. If you're, if you, I think they're for sure gonna win. You know, when it's in the Bay, I yeah. think they'll win at home. If you go down three two, what is it? three yeah. one? Yeah, if you go down that bad, it's gonna be trouble. Like if you go back and play, what is it? Game Six in the TD Garden, you're yeah. not gonna survive. Like you have, I, I always said, and I said this, you know, prior to the NBA Finals starting on this show. Boston would win one game at home. Golden State would win the next three. Like, I don't think if they go down, if they lose this game, which would be tomorrow, if they lose and go down 3 1, they'll win in the Bay, but I think they'll lose game six in Boston. They, I but think they, they have to win tomorrow night 
And then I think if they win tomorrow night, I still think Golden State wins in six. If they lose tomorrow night, though, I think Boston wins in six. I don't think this thing goes to seven either way. I mean, it's literally all eyes are going to be on game four. It really is because how Steph, Steph, if he's like 85% because he let, it was, it's a foot injury. It's kind of the same foot that Steph Curry had, you know, I think he had a, I think it was a sprained foot, if I'm not mistaken, towards the end of the season. It's kind of a similar injury, but it's not as bad. So I have this, I don't even know what you call it, like theory, I guess, Mm -hmm. when athletes get injured. I'll give him 30 to 45 seconds before I take it seriously. Because last night when Steph went down, they put a camera on him, he looked just fine. Then the camera gets in his face and he winces a lot. I'm like, he's fine. He literally, like, if there's immediate reaction, like, oh boy, this is serious. Like, for instance, this is not about about basketball or NBA. For instance, when Skylar Thompson went down for K-State in the open field, I knew it was serious because he dropped. Mm -hmm. Last night, you know, Steph kind of acted like he was okay and then he laid back down and, you know, winced a lot. I don't know. Sometimes it takes sometimes it takes some some I, pain to kick in. Even like you know when you like you don't know when you're hurt until you try to get up and you're like oh snap. And there is always that something. And he but he then felt, he, he, he felt popped something. up. He popped up and he said and it's like yeah exactly because ah. he said because once he said once he you know started walking once he got up and he's like okay this does not feel as bad like it was when he actually sprained his foot. He's like okay cool because he he wants to play. You already heard him. He's like I don't care what. What my trainers say, like, I'm playing in this game. Like, it's the NBA Finals. This is about to be game four of the NBA Finals. Of course he's going to play. If he can walk, he's going to play. I'm pretty sure that's his mentality, and that's what he was thinking. Because he knew what it felt like when he first sprained his foot and how that felt when he took his first couple steps. He's like, damn, this hurts. Next, this time, last night, he's like, took a couple steps. Okay, this is not, this is not as nearly as bad as it was when the last time I played Boston in the regular season, and that's when I got hurt, when Marcus Smart was going for a loose ball and pretty much rolled up on his foot. Very similar, but this time it was Al Horford. So that's what I think it was. I think sometimes it takes a second for pain to kick in. It, that's it really, fair. It really does. So. And my, my biggest thing with this, though, is, like, and I don't watch all that much NBA, but some of these guys are really good actors. I mean, of just course, watch no, LeBron James play a couple games. He's going to get hurt three or four times a game, and then he's just fine. That's, I don't know, that's just what drives me crazy. Hey, maybe they're starting to follow the lead of soccer. Could be. That is. I, a, I never that is fall a good for anybody tactic. who falls in soccer. I was like, <laughs> he aight. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Give unless, him a unless, second. Even though, even though, when they're like down for like two minutes, like he could still be aight, but just tired. I can, I can never, I can never really tell. Now, though, now that is a different kind of acting because them guys, they really try to sell it. Oh, they like baby, <laughs> they sell. They working hard for them contracts. But anyway, that's going to be the end of our basketball talk. And when we come back. We are going to talk about something that we have never talked about on this show. So, and once you listen, you're going to understand why. And we'll be right back in 30 seconds. Paying for cable these days just isn't really worth it. But how are you going to watch the Royals? Well, Tanner's Bar and Grill has got you covered. Located at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville, Tanner's 22 different screens will have the Royals no matter where you look. While you're there, you can grab a fresh Booga or maybe even one of the 16 different ice cold beers Tanner's has on tap or their over 40 different craft beers and seasonal drinks. You can also enjoy the great summer weather at the Tanner's patio. If you can't be at the K, Tanner's is the place to be. And we're back. So, I know I left out a little, some, some, a little, what they call in showbiz, a teaser. So, we've talked about football. That's not even in season. We've talked about basketball. We've talked about softball. 
So now we're going to talk about a little bit of hockey. And y'all, I'm going to say this right now. I don't know Jack Diddley squat about hockey. And neither does Anthony. But there's still some important stuff going on. Because we have the Eastern Conference Finals game. What is it? Five, I believe. Tied 2-2 with the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have won two Stanley Cups the past two seasons. So they're pretty damn good. And it's supposed to be another good game tonight. But... I know some of y'all might think I'm incredibly stupid or something, but I started watching a little bit of hockey here and there the past couple of weeks. And something that I realized, you know, when they hit the puck and it like, you know, gets airborne a little bit. I didn't know that hockey players could swat it down with their hands and like keep it pushing. I was like, wait, are they allowed to do that? And I was very, very confused. Grant, I know if anyone listening to me is a real fan of hockey, they're really like, bro, shut up. Because apparently that's super duper obvious, but I had no idea I was watching, I was like, wait, is he allowed to? Everyone just keeps like, okay, apparently he's allowed to do that. I was thinking like no one could, you know, touch the hockey puck when it's in the air, kind of like soccer, even though I know it's two different sports. But y'all can understand at least my confusion for the first time watching it. Oh, I understand because I don't know even the smallest thing about hockey. The only thing I knew is today you said we were going to talk about hockey. He told me he was in it, and I said, I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay is pretty good. Yeah, you're right. That's about the only thing I know because, you know, every, you know, what is it? Every year they do, a, at the end of the year, they do a championship rundown. They say who won what. And I just can recall Tampa Bay, who won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. It was this big deal because the Lightning won as well. That's the and only the reason Rays you won knew. not too long ago, I believe. They, I, they didn't win. They, well, they, went, a, they went deep into the playoffs. And so, yeah, it was a like, successful season for Tampa Bay. That is the only reason I knew that Tampa Bay Lightning was any good. Look, I wish I liked hockey because it is, like, in Wichita, there's the Wichita Thunder. Uh-huh. And I've been to a couple games, don't know even the slightest thing. I enjoy watching the fights. That's pretty entertaining. Hey, they be squabbling. But other than that, for a small puck, there's a lot of action. Like, vroom, one way, the other, back. It's like, holy cow. Bro, I, I tell you, I would love to go to a hockey game one day. I really would because I was watching, I, like, Pretty much, fairly, for, not the first time, but it was like the first time in like a very, very long time I was watching. And then I got to thinking, because, you know, there's always that glass around like the hockey rink and stuff, and it's pretty high. But then I see how high those pucks can also go, and I'm like, those, I know those hockey pucks are really heavy. They're like a miniature brick in your hand, because I've held one before. So I'm like, so what happens if one gets a little bit too jumpy and kind of, <laughs> Clicks it over the over like over the fence. I'm like, is is something going happy like happen Happy Gilmore's daddy? Because I think at the beginning of that movie, his daddy was Dunzo after getting hit in the puck with the puck at the beginning of that movie because it went over the glass. I was like, does that really happen? Because I feel like that would hurt, and I feel like I don't know. Like I don't want to go to a sporting event being afraid that I'm going to get hit by something. Okay, first of all, Happy Gilmore is an incredible movie. It is a fantastic movie, but at the beginning Se- of that movie, his daddy got popped <laughs> by a hockey puck. Second of all, though, so you've never been to a hockey game once. Never. Doesn't matter if I've I've never been to an NHL game, but like I said, I've been to the Thunder, which is minor league. I would recommend going. They are actually pretty fun. Now I haven't gone in a couple years. Attendance was never that great there, but it is just pretty cool to see. I mean, like there is so much action. And, like, something that I think is just crazy is how that goalie, I mean, that puck is so small. That goalie knows where that thing is at all the time. And it's like, how do they protect that big of a goal? You know, it's 
it's really fascinating. Bro, I tell I tell you what. I know I think the very first time I started wa- I like watched hockey just that was a few years ago. I was just like, you know, let me see what's going on because they did this whole event where they were playing in like a baseball stadium outside and it was really cold. I was like, "Oh, this seems like a big deal. Maybe I'll tune in." But it was where like the peep the audience and the cameras were like super far away and I'm trying to find the puck. I'm like, "People watch this?" And I'm like, it just looks like they were just moving around, and I couldn't see the puck. I was like, yo, this is stupid. I stopped watching after 10 minutes. I wish I could skate that good, though. Oh, this That would be fun. Talent, I tell you. But I would love to go to a hockey game. I heard it was, like, the like the best sporting atmosphere, in, in like, in someone's opinion. I, heard some, uh, I think it was Jay Will on first take. He was saying that he's been to Super Bowls. He's been to NBA Finals. He's been to World Series. But being at a playoff hockey game, he said it was his best experience in a sporting environment. I heard that about soccer, too. Like, I, I also as, heard that about soccer. As boring as soccer might be to watch on TV, everybody says the NHL and soccer are just incredible things to attend live and in person. Oh, those soccer games, especially the ones in Europe where I feel like they don't have any security because you see the, you see the fans, they got, like, flares and smoke bombs, and they real damn close to the field. Like, I remember watching a couple weeks ago with the Champion League, I think it was, like, the quarterfinals or something. I can't remember who was playing, but the but all the fans rushed the field, and there was, like, 10 minutes left in the game. I'm like, bro, where's security? And smoke bombs was thrown everywhere. Like, do they not have metal detectors? They don't need, they don't need the clear bag rule, apparently, in Europe. Because I don't, I don't know. This is, once again, still going super-duper off-topic. Because, like I said, we were talking about something that we don't really know nothing about, and that's hockey. But game, the game tonight, Game 5 in the Eastern Conference Finals of New York Rangers and two-time Stanley Cup champs, Tampa Bay Lightning. So if y'all can, check that out. Is it in Tampa or is it in New York? That It's, it's in New York. The last two games were in Tampa. So the, tonight is in New York. So they finally have a playoff game going on in Madison Square Garden. So good for them. Well, yeah, good for them. It's probably going to be a packed house. Yes. And you told me something that surprises me. Colorado, did you say the Avalanche? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. just hanging out. They're waiting. They swept their opponent. Yeah, they did. They, oh, they were the Edmund Oilers, and I really had to ask our engineer here. I was like, where's Edmund at? Like, Edmund what? He said, I don't, it, was, it was somewhere in Canada. I was like, oh, wow, so that's why I never heard of it. But I don't know. It was interesting things to learn about hockey and the very little things that I know about it. I just know I've been watching it to find to watch a fight. I'm I'm there for some squabbling because them refs let them fight. I tell you, I was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. They be all in the center of the ring skating around trying to punch somebody and they skates and punching a helmet, which I never understood why anyone yeah, would want to punch a helmet. That either. But it was still funny because they all slipping and sliding and still trying to throw punches. It's that that part's entertaining. It's like when the only reason I watch NASCAR is to see if anyone crashes i know that sounds bad but that's the reason why anyone watches nascar the truth hurts okay but that's i think that's all the off topic stuff we'll get to at this moment because there's still some more sports things that we kind of know more about coming up after another quick break from tanners Paying for cable these days just isn't really worth it. But how are you going to watch the Royals? Well, Tanner's Bar and Grill has got you covered. Located at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville, Tanner's 22 different screens will have the Royals no matter where you look. While you're there, you can grab a fresh Booga or maybe even one of the 16 different ice-cold beers Tanner's has on tap or their over 40 different craft beers and seasonal drinks. You can also enjoy the great summer weather at the Tanner's Patio. If you can't be at the K, Tanner's is the place to be. Thank you, Tanner's, and now we are back. So, 
the Women's College World Series is going on. We talked a little bit about this, talked about it the other day, and OU, my gosh, has to be the best team in any college sport right now. Of course, right now because it's summer. But I'm going to just go all like throughout an entire school year. I think OU softball team is the best collegiate team because they are they just seem like an unstoppable juggernaut as they are in the Women's College World Series final and this is their third year, third consecutive year and they've t- they've won a butt ton of championships already. They are literally the the bluest of bloods in college softball and they're in the championship game and it's a Red River rivalry oh, that always trips me up against Texas and they absolutely spanked them 16 to 1 and there's no run rule in the championship game which I don't know what's more embarrassing still getting the score run up on you or being run ruled I, I don't really know but uh they play again they're playing right now and it's the best it's a series of best of three and I'm sorry, Texas, it was a great run. First unseeded team to ever go to a championship game. But they 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 getting clapped tonight. I there's I don't see really anyone being able to beat this team. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I was hoping Oklahoma State would have beaten Texas because Oklahoma State just beat the Sooners a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. right before I think the World uh, College Softball Tournament started, the World Series started. So I was like, that would be fun. Like, Oklahoma State has beat them once. Who knows if they could have done it again. But Texas, you know, like you said, good run. But just to tell you how dominant Oklahoma has been, Please look, tell them. every year we know how dominant Alabama is going to be in football. Yes. But they don't win every game by 30 points. Like, they had a couple games last year where they won by, you know, they even they lost to A&M. They, a couple games it was close. Yeah. Oklahoma, you pointed this out a couple days ago to me, they played 60 games. Mm-hmm. What did you say? 40 of them were by run rule victories? Yep. So I don't care how good Alabama is every year. They're not going to win by 30 points against every single team like Oklahoma has. This is, like, absolutely ridiculous. Like, if you show up to the ballpark, sorry, you lost. That's and you probably got much, run ruled, too. That's pretty <laughs> much it because they got this They got this uh, girl on here, Jocelyn Allo. I, t- I talked about her a couple days ago where she did some gangsta mess when they lost to UCLA in a doubleheader, a double elimination game or whatever. And she and they got they were going to play 30 minutes later after that loss, and there was a clip of her holding up five fingers, like five innings. We're going to get them in five innings, and that's exactly what they did and ended up scoring 15 runs in five innings to be for have another run rule win. Goodness, run rule, is a, that's a mouthful. But it wants another win in five innings, and she had a home run and a grand slam. And to tell you, She's like, like that. how they responded is incredible. Like, you just lose 7-3, to three, like, you're like, I'm telling we're you. the best team in softball. We should Gangster. not lose. And then for them to respond with a 15-0 victory, literally an hour and a half, two hours later. Bro. And they, that is... That is pretty good. It, it was like it was literally thirty minutes later. We were like, I bet that's exactly what that energy was, and they and that transferred over into game one of the finals against Texas. Like, cause Texas got up one zero at the top of the first inning. They're all like, woohoo, we got one in the first inning, and it left runners on base. And then literally first pitch up at the bottom bottom of the first inning, clip, home run, clip, home run. Jocelyn also had her first home run of the night in the first inning. And they got ended up with like five runs at the end of it. I was like, yo, it's gonna be that type of night. Let me just switch over to the NBA finals because they gonna get their behinds busted. And I checked the score and I was like, well, won't you look at that? I'm right. Because it was Jocelyn Alto and Jennings with two home runs in that game. They had the most 
home runs and RBIs in a Women's College World Series game ever, and then had six home runs, and that's the single most in a game. They're literally breaking records right now while they're breaking Texas's face. But yeah, that's like I told you, I I was making dinner, so I didn't even turn the game on because I was like, oh, I'll watch the NBA Finals at 8. So I got on my phone real quick, and it was like, Texas has taken the lead, top of the first. My first thought was, how fast before OU retakes the lead? Bro, and seconds. it was like literally <laughs> not even an inning later. It was literal seconds. And they're, they're, they're playing right now, and Texas Tech, the one, they, OU only lost three games in the regular season. One of them actually was Texas. And they were on a point where they were getting, they were about to get run ruled themselves, but they came back and won the game. I was like, I heard about that. I was like, oh, wow. So maybe they have a chance. But also, I think OU is really much, is really like that. I don't think they make the same mistakes twice. So I, Texas, it was a great run. It's, just, it's the best of three. They don't even have a best of five like I thought they did a couple years ago, and that could have been changed. I don't know. But I feel like they're going to have a championship ceremony. In Oklahoma so City, if Oklahoma. Texas wins tonight, game two, mm-hmm. is there a game three later tonight or tomorrow? Yeah, I think it would be. To, I think it would be tomorrow. I think, if not, if not tomorrow, it may, may be Saturday if they want to give an extra day in between games. But is Texas? If y'all got it, y'all got it. Congratulations, but not mm, likely. Not not likely. But y'all had a great run. We'll 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 leave it at that. So that was our softball news. I know there's not a lot of stuff going on in the news lately. I know we hit on the Sean Watson stuff yesterday. But today, if y'all didn't hear a couple days ago, Aaron Donald, he signed a major, major contract extension for an extra $40 million, bringing it up to $95 million over three years. And we thought, dang, apparently cap space does not exist with the L.A. Rams. But then they had to go do a little extra something-something by having Cooper Cup their Super Bowl MVP and wide receiver, who was arguably the best wide receiver this past you know NFL season, he signed him to a three-year, eighty million dollars, seventy-five million guaranteed. Anthony, I do not know where all this damn money is coming from from the LA Rams because apparently cap space is a myth because they actually added a couple guys this offseason. Granted, they already extended Matthew Stafford to one hundred sixty million for four years. Okay, there's that. Then they got Bobby Wagner from uh, the Seattle Seahawks for five for five years, $50 million. And then Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears, three three years, $46.5 million. And they already had Jalen Ramsey, his money. I'm like, I don't know what other team is going to hand up that much money right now. And it's and they already they traded all their draft picks. We already know. They, they literally said pretty much bleep them picks. They That's that's something that was thrown around throughout the, the NFL season. But... Anthony, what, does this even make sense to you about how they can keep all these players and have an even better chance to win the Super Bowl again next year because apparently cap space doesn't exist? Yeah, that, it is weird because you always see, you know, in the offseason when there's nothing really to talk about, even on Twitter, people are posting cap space news, dead money, this and that. And it's like you always see these teams in the red and you're like, okay, well, they're not going to spend much money. And the Rams didn't have a whole lot to play with. Boom, new contract, Bobby Wagner. Then you said Allen Robinson. All right, well, Aaron Donald wants to re- wants to retire. Now nah, let's just go ahead and give him Money. the max. Money. And then all this wide receiver stuff has gone crazy. Yeah. You think, man, the Rams really got a good deal with the Cooper Cup. Wrong. What did they pay him, $110 million yesterday? It was $80 million for three years, $75 million guaranteed. 
And then, of course, Aaron Donald, he has $95 million for over seven I years. I thought that deal was worth up to $110 million for No, cause, Cooper Cup. because at, this, at the point, because when they, when they extended Aaron Donald's contract, I, I actually had to look this up. Before uh, – oh, goodness, words are hard. The Rams' salary cap before Aaron Donald's deal was, two, was uh, $201.1 million. And they end up clearing actually 2.75 million in cap space. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they got the the 80 million for Cooper Cup. I'm like, how do they have this much damn cap space to begin with? Especially they there could be a good chance that they signed Odell Beckham Jr. back, and that's going to be even more money. Do you think money. they will though? I don't see why they wouldn't. They're they're sold. They I'm can like, get him on a cheap deal because he just tore his ACL. Yeah, but he was already on a cheap deal for a one year contract. That's how we got. That's how he was with them before the play of the Super Bowl. But he tore his ACL, so they're not going to want to give him a lot of money. They but they could still do something because clearly, the Rams are not afraid. They're they're really they're not afraid. They're doing what I always dreamed and hoped the Cowboys would do. Like they're like that the cat boy that's in Dallas that is being Stephen Jones, the thought of him doing a sliver of this is just insanity. But I just don't I don't get it. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of LA's money? So I I'll tell you this real quick. So I told you I thought it was worth 110 million. It's 110 million with you know the two years he had left on his contract. Okay. So it's the yeah. next five years will be close to 110 million dollars. Up to it says for Cooper Cup. This is according to the Athletic. I, no other no other NFL team is doing this. There's some sketchiness going on. Some I don't know. Some something is afoot. Props to being Super Bowl champions, I guess. But still, they was doing all this to become Super Bowl champions. They really were. They was like they were going all and we're going all in on Matthew Stafford because they had they literally gave them all every all the first round picks. Like I don't think they have a first round pick until. I want to say 2000, either 25 or 27. That's the that's the next time they're gonna have a first round pick. I this like don't don't quote me on this. I think I remember seeing that when we were doing the draft show, uh, back in April. But it's it's gonna be a long time before they get another first round pick, and so they're sold. They've been like this since since last off season. I know you're looking that up for me. Does it? Nope. Nah, nothing yet. Obviously, nothing. It was. It was something. It was something that's going to be a very long time. And like I said, they're sold. The Rams are set to go seven straight years without a first round pick. See, it's even worse than I imagined. Well, this was an article last year. Still, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they gave up any more picks this. Yeah, this off season because. Allen Robinson was a free agent, so was Bobby Wagner, and even Odell Beckham, he was he okay. was released. So finally found it. So that article was from a couple of years ago. Mm. The Rams are finally slated to make a first round draft pick in twenty twenty four. Now, okay. this was an article from twenty twenty one, so obviously it could have changed. Probably could have, yes. Because the reason they didn't have a pick last year, because it's the Jalen Ramsey trade. Mm-hmm. Then it was Matthew Stafford. And I think they may have did they did they get anything for Sonny Michelle? I know it's probably not a first rounder, but and I also I also question because they were in need of a running back after Cam Akers went down, and uh, Henderson went down early in the season as well. So they went and got uh, Sonny Michelle from the Patriots at so, some point. So here's an interesting question for you because we've seen Tampa Bay do this last year, where they win the Super Bowl in what was it, twenty one? Yeah. Technically, 
yeah, they win the Super Bowl, the 2020 COVID year. They have all 22 starters back. Mm-hmm. And then they lose in what I believe was the divisional round. Was the divisional round. Yeah, Are we going to the see Rams. the same thing with the Rams? I mean, the Rams are going to be good. Just like when Tampa Bay was going to be good. Yeah. It's it's hard to go back to back. We've we've seen that. I mean, the Patriots did it. What was it? Uh, oh, 07, 08. Win, win back-to-back Super Bowls? Yeah. Actually, I don't think anyone has won back-to-back Super Bowls since, the, like, the 90s. People, they've gone to back-to-back Super Bowls, but I don't think anyone has won back-to-back Super Bowls in, like, 20 the years or something. Did. Yeah, the Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls. When was it? Because I could have sworn no one is, it hasn't happened since the 90s. 38 and 39. Super Bowl 38 and 39. Ooh, what? I don't even know uh, what, year, what year was that. I don't know the numbers. Good question. I, I just pay, had I to do, I just had to do the Roman numerals in my head real quick because I'm not. Hey, you better than me, man. Because I've I've stopped messing with it after 50 because I don't know <laughs> any other numeral after that until somebody says the actual number. But I mean, look, Chiefs. They had the prime opportunity to do it. Obviously, they would come up just yeah. short. Tampa Bay, prime opportunity, came up just short. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be incredible, actually. Yeah, because if but you can, they go back to back. I just. It's, it's possible because it. if you look at the NFC, I mean, granted, I think their biggest threat will probably be Tampa because Tom Brady decided not to retire. But they do have a first-year head coach, even though he's not his first-year head coach with Todd Bowles. His first-year coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the Saints, they look like they've bulked up for sure, for sure. But you still have Jameis Winston as a QB. And I think they'll be good, but I don't know if they'll be like, you know, you know, uh, NFC championship round, good. We don't really know. And the Cowboys, they seem like they got worse. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers pretty much doesn't have the weapons that he used to with no more Devontae Adams, so he doesn't really have anyone to throw to. Uh, Arizona, they're trying to get something worked out. I don't know. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season. I don't know what's going to work out with with Kyler Murray and his contract deal. Normally, the Cardinals are really good in the first half of the season. Pretty suspect in the second half of the season. So if you look throughout the NFC, I, the Rams, I do believe, have the highest chance of at least going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Real quick, just to put this out there, I just looked it up. Finally found it. The Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls 2004 and 2005. You see, okay, so it wasn't it. So it was almost. feels like almost 20 years ago. But, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the end of our show. Got 33 seconds left, so we're going to wrap it up. Please tune back in tomorrow here on Wildcat 91.9. We'll see y'all then.